That's awesome. How you been? Awesome. So good. Bam. We're live. Hey, are you in are you in your office at Concept 2? I'm actually in just off my office. I'm in a little conference room. Is that is that where you do calls like this, podcasts and whatnot? I mean, fancy ones like this I do. Normally I do them from my desk. Okay, um, fair enough. But, uh, we'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, I can show you it, but there's not much in it. It's a lot of uh, old motocross jerseys and some CrossFit paraphernalia from over the years, stuff like that. What state are you in? Vermont. Are, are you close to Fraser? To, to oh, yeah. We, we grew up in the same town. I mean, of course, I was decades before him, but the um, yeah, Colchester, Vermont is where him and I grew up. And then actually Matt was just up here with HWPO and, and actually taught a couple of classes here for the employees, which is kind of nice of them just, you know, so they'd come up and do it. And so we did in our new workout room. That's crazy. Cool. What kind of classes? Like just like CrossFit? It was, uh, he did sweat because we were, you know, there's a couple, there's people here that don't do CrossFit or even work out like regularly. And so they did, hosted a sweat class and Jake uh, and Josh did, um, taught the class and then Matt actually did the class. So. Oh, that was fun. Cool. Uh, Jake Marconi and who? Who's the other guy? Josh. What's Josh's last name? I forget. Um, He's part of the HWPO crew. But I mean, yeah. So Matt, when Matt first started CrossFitting, it was at Champlain Valley where I was going. Like I Uh didn't, I remember when he came in and didn't know who he was. And then, yeah. So he actually, he didn't even do CrossFit at first. He just went in the back room and was like lifting weights. And we're just like, oh, it's just another new guy. And then we saw what he was putting on for plates and like, wait, that's just not another guy. (laughs) Hey, um, is that gym still there? Champlain Valley? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so Jake, I mean, so, so Jade and Danny Haran, you don't remember Danny. Yeah. Danny yeah. For years. yeah. Yeah. It's their place. Yep. Danny Haran still pops up now and again. It, oh big yeah. She, right. She's a beast still. Oh yeah. She's still a beast and she's doing a lot of other stuff too. Like they've been mountain biking a lot now and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the gym is still doing great. They're, they're really, they're killing it. So what's a sweat class, basically like a cardio class, a, mo- a moving class. I'm guessing you guys have a lot of machines. Yeah. I mean, you know, thanks to Bill and Katie, our gym is sweet. We just actually redid it after COVID when we came back to work. Um, they asked me if I wanted to design the new workout room and we had built an addition. And so of course got a hold of, you know, Bill and Katie and uh, they helped us out tremendously with that. So yeah, our gym is pretty stacked. You know, it's That's nice. awesome. How, how big is uh, Concept Two? Is, is is there one location? It's one world headquarters. There's one world headquarters here in Vermont, uh, which we think we have like 80 employees here, where we make all the carbon fiber racing ores, and then we have a another subcontractor that actually does the assembly here too. A former employee of ours that kind of went out on his own, and um, they do assembly, which we used to build them all. Like I used to actually build rowing machines back in the day. Um, but uh, and take out the trash. Oh yeah. I mean, still do all, I mean, everyone here is cool. Everyone will do whatever needs to be done. It's, it's kind of a cool thing, but we have offices in uh, Hamburg, Germany and uh, Nottingham in the UK, Switzerland, Australia. Um, trying to think I'm missing some other ones. Um, yeah. Netherlands, you know, so we we are, we do have offices in other places, but we outfit the world. So. Uh, um, did I meet you? Were you at the 2008 games? Yeah, actually, I was thinking about that last night. I met I you. Met, there. I met you there. Uh, it was you, and then again, faster. John Gilson had a crew, so you had uh-huh. the, the the only two people with cameras. I think was you, and then Pat that used to work for John Gilson. Uh huh. Um, yeah, but we met in Aromas. I think we had beers together that first year. Crazy dude. Were you at the 2007 games? Seven. I wasn't. 
uh, eight and nine was still at, at Aromas, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So I was at eight and nine uh, there. And, and were you there in the capacity of um, working for Concept Two at that time, or were you there just as a CrossFitter? No, it was it was for Concept Two. So I already knew about CrossFit. Actually, I met Glassman and Dave at. Um, they needed someone who was prior service to teach some rowing at a seminar that was going on at Bud School in San Diego. So they needed someone who was prior service just to get on base. And so at the time, I was doing like triathlons and cardio stuff, and you know some weightlifting. And they're like, who wants to go to a Navy SEAL, you know, training facility? I'm like, oh, I'll go in a heartbeat. So I went out there and actually met Greg, met Dave, got interviews to CrossFit, got my ass kicked in like three workouts. And I thought I was pretty fit. And then I came home with just like the fire that every new CrossFitter had. And I was like, man, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> did he know, did, did, um, w w so, so you show up there at, uh, in San Diego, um, what's the island called? Coronado. You show up there yeah. um, at the Navy SEALs training ground there, and you had never met Greg and Dave before, but you had, heard, had you heard of CrossFit? I probably heard the name like once before, like right. a couple okay. weeks before. There's, it, was this 2006, seven? Probably six. I was trying to think about it. When Dave was on Jocko's podcast, I'm almost thinking that Jocko might have been in that class that I was at, and I didn't know any of these guys. Um, right. It was my first experience. I went into this thing. wasn't a single podcast in the world at that time, Greg. <laughs> I mean, uh, how old was the internet then? I, mean, we have the internet. <laughs> I don't even remember. I barely remember YouTube back then. Yeah, but it was, um, you know, it was cool because, I mean, I what I knew about Navy SEALs was Charlie Sheen and, uh, you know, Hollywood. And I get there, and everyone looked very normal until I saw their fitness level and everything. And Here's the other thing I was kind of, I thought was cool. So my degree is in health science. So I had a four-year degree in health science with a focus on, on uh, corporate wellness. And, you know, I'm not a great student. I, you know, I struggled through everything, but I got through with my degree. But I watched Greg talk. And in four hours, he said everything that four years of my college said. And he said it better, more articulate, and got me more fired up. And everything he said was like spot on. So I was I went home and I'm like, yeah, this guy knows what he's he's talking about. And, you know, after that, I mean, I've taken my level one and my level two years later, but I had listened to it then. It wasn't a full uh, level one back then. I think it was just Greg doing a seminar, but he did the whole health continuum and, you know, all the, the usual spiel and everything. And I was like, wow, this guy's onto something. So. Which is even more impressive because you were an expert in your own right. And you, you probably had some pushback, like, okay, what's this fucking guy going to say? Like, you know, I'm sure a lot, right? I mean, you I mean, there as an expert also, but then here uh, you are hearing a guy talk and you're like, holy shit. I'm very self-aware in the fact that I don't know everything. So I usually go into anything kind of with an open mind anyways. But um, yeah, I knew, I knew right away, like, uh, you know, we did a little bit of talk about nutrition, but, you know, keep in mind. So I, gr I graduated college in, uh, was it 93? So we were still doing like long, slow distance training, eating as many carbs as we could, you know, uh, wearing heart rate monitors, all this stuff that I was told by my coaches that we needed to do. And here's Greg offering this breath of fresh air saying, wait a second, I can eat, you know, what I want to eat for the most part, you know, meat, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And, you know, I don't need to wear my heart rate monitor. It doesn't matter. You're only going to go as hard as you can. And I'm just like, ah, oh, this guy's, this guy's got it. And, you know, to this day, I still think, Unfortunately, the cycle is coming back around. Of course, we're all wearing, you know, heart rate monitors now again and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's just like, I want to, I want to see it come back around. I want us to, to realize that we don't need all this stuff. <laughs> I saw some number, um, 
that the average that the average person when they after they purchase a wearable only wear, wears it for like 45 days or something and i feel like that about apple watches like i have one and i wear it like two days every of, of the month and then i take it off again it's weird no I, i'm with you i mean i i wear my garmin and i wear it to bed for like sleep numbers but i mean i can wake up and tell you now i wouldn't wearing it long enough i probably what my numbers are just by how i feel yeah uh, but yeah i mean it's i guess it is what it is it's i mean it's more of a habit now for me than anything so uh dale king uh the owner what? of Port portsmouth uh cross a uh, new documentary just dropped uh sorry i don't use that word drop just came out just published <laughs> produced just uh it's on live on itunes now anyway uh, dale king says i want to go on record as saying greg hammond did i pronounce your last name right yeah hammond yeah Hammond is one of the most underrated, unappreciated people <laughs> in the entire CrossFit space. He and Concept2 are rock solid. Love you, brother. It's great. At least I know we got the check now. That was cool. So, <laughs> yeah, Dale's one of that. Dale's awesome. Actually, I was stoked when now I was seeing all the OG stuff coming back out, like with Chase and him. And we uh, we did see, it the, see each other quickly at the games. But I love this kind of culture inside the culture of the OGs. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I really I love that feel. It's kind of nice. Um, I, I, what? Tell me what is the the name of the company is Concept Two, right? That's the umbrella company. Well, there's no umbrella. It's that's us. Yeah, that's it's Concept you. Two. Yep. And is it privately owned? Yeah, two brothers, family owned. We're still a family owned business. Um, two great guys still work out every day. They're in their seventies and will probably beat most CrossFitters of any age in the two K. I mean, these guys are these guys are solid. Yeah. And how long have you worked there? 27 years yeah and when you started there how many employees were there uh probably 50 or so oh, um, it, was, it was already big well because back then we were assembling everything ourselves and so okay. a lot of it was wow. so the way the flow went you'd come in um you'd make you know like 30 machines from scratch from parts and then you test row 30 or 60 machines so that was your workout then you'd maybe go make some ores or work with some carbon fiber. And, um, and then we'd all leave and go play outside after it was the, the owners are, are amazing people They're They, they want quality. You sign everything that you make. Um, and then when you're, if you can get your work done in less than eight hours and your quality is still good, go do something, go have fun, go, you know, whatever. The only other rule was that a day that something's not going right and you're there for 10 hours, don't bitch, just stay. Um, so they, they're really good managers um, and, and they they would kill me if they heard me say manager they're just they're just the two brothers so um uh so were the only two items back in the day oars and rower the rower, the rower. Yeah. and how many rowers were there back then just one yeah uh when i came in it was the end of the model b which had the wire cage around it and then the model c's which when CrossFit first started, that's probably what most gyms had, these gray, all metal around the flywheel Model Cs. And if you have a Model C and you look underneath the front legs, you'll see a handwritten date and an initials. And if you see one that says GH, then I made your Model C. <laughs> so. so so the parts show up to Concept 2 and then you guys would start putting them together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the rule always used to be, you know, if we could get something from Vermont first, United States second. And if we couldn't get good quality of there, then we would go overseas. So there are parts from overseas, but for the most part, like the guy that bends our metals and paint them, paints all the metals. I mean, it's right down the road kind of thing. So 
yeah, I mean, we could probably make a much more money and profit if we ever went overseas, but it just will never happen. We're very proud to be here. So. Who invented the rower? Well, Pete and so Pete and Dick, they're the two brothers. Um, they first were like they were the innovators in going from a wooden oar to carbon fiber, which will be there's a Boys in the Boat movie coming out. You'll see a bunch of old wooden oars from when rowing was super popular, like in the 30s and stuff. So they came out with this kick-ass composite oar that just revolutionized the sport. These guys were well, Dick was in the Olympics. Peter and Dick tried to make the Olympics together and missed it. And so they wanted to make a machine they could train in the wintertime. And so, and there's pictures on our website. They literally took a Huffy, bolted it to the barn floor upside down with a sliding seat and made the first rower on there. So there was other ergometers back then, but they were nothing like what you would notice now. So ergometers, uh, company. Yeah. So if you go to, um, where's on there, there's one that should say like under contact or something, you'll see history somewhere's on there. Can't see the screens too small right now. But let me see. Uh, photo gallery. Uh, not the gallery. So I want to say history. Uh, about concept two. Maybe? Yeah, about concept two. And then, so that's Pete and Dick. It looks like a really old picture, but it's that's just because it's black and white. But they they started it in a barn in Stowe, Vermont, which is like ten minutes from here. And um, this is before me. But the original guys, they would have to like feed the cows, start a fire, and then start making oars back in the day. So we moved into this building in the early eighties. And you've been there since. Yeah, we have. I didn't get here until '96. So it's crazy. I when I think of you, I think of you as being there since the very beginning. Uh, as people are retiring, there's it's getting to be not a whole heck of a lot of people that have been here longer than myself, except for the owners. Right. But I'm a very loyal guy, and I'm, I'll be here as long as those guys are here. <laughs> oh wow! Look at these ergs. Yep. Um, so that's a Model A. Right, right there. there and that's the first what was called the crash bees so crash bees used to be the world indoor rowing championships and it stood for charles river all-star has been just a bunch of guys that wanted to row and drink beer what you couldn't see in the background of that picture was just a row of kegs so it was like row a 2k actually back then it was 2500 meters and then drink beer after with your buddies um i think one of the reasons i liked the original crossfit so much it was a lot like how we started is like you'd work out hard with your friends and then you'd bro down with them after and have a good time and nobody took themselves too seriously. And um, yeah, what you're showing right now, people should watch that. There's some cool stuff on there. What, why did they call it the crash bees, Greg? It was just, we didn't start crash bees. The guys that started it in Boston. So the, the river is called the Charles river in Boston. And so there's Pete and Dick when they first started this building. Um, and because they're are they big dudes, are those big dudes? Yeah, they're like I don't know, six five or so. Okay. Yeah, so I just I mean anybody who I've met before will realize that I'm not a tall guy. I didn't row on the water. I was a rugby player. That's how I found the rower originally. Um, so when I go to rowing events, they everyone's like, "You were a rower?" Skeptically, as their eyebrow raises. But there's the first. <laughs> that's the first uh, rendition of the rower right there. This is ridiculous. It started a revolution, man. We started a sport. There was no sport of indoor rowing until these guys did it. Same with the skier. There was never a skier until we invented a skier. I'm going to come. I'm going to come back to how you it, it got the name Crash Bees, but I want to look at this machine real quick. So, this is a a Huffy bike flip upside down, sitting on its book rack, and then the guy sitting on a sled. Well, that sled is an old Tenturi 
piston rower. So there were some old piston rowers back then, but it didn't give you the feel of rowing. It was essentially like a lever arm that you would pull back and forth, like a, a piston, like would be on the hatchback of your car. It, so when he pulls that, does it pull him closer to the tire, the whole? Uh, no, I mean, even on the rower now, and people don't realize it, is that you actually come forward on the rower, not by pulling up with your feet. It's the weight shift of your upper body that brings you forward. Um, that's one of the cues that we do to get people to row better is we actually make them not strap in so that they learn to come forward without pulling on their feet. Ah, interesting. Okay. So, so God, I don't even understand how that works. (laughs) I mean, really, and this is the great thing about it. This is why our machines last forever. It's a, it's a chain, it's a bungee cord, some gears, and then all the magic or most of the magic is in the monitor. Although that model a, that's actually uh, a Napa auto parts speedometer cable and an old bicycle speedometer. And there used to be a Napa part number mm-hmm. for that cable. <laughs> the, is seriously? Yeah. I and mean, there might still be, we just don't use them anymore. God, that's crazy. Do you have one of those in the office? Yeah. Yep. Actually just outside the door. I thought for a second I had one in here, but. And is actually- it functioning? Can someone get on it and ride it? Oh, I did it. Yeah. I did it actually for an Instagram post. Um, what was it for just this past winter i was here and um or maybe you know it was in the spring uh something was going on i just walked by i'm like i don't think crossfitters have seen this before so i got on it and uh people loved it that was like one of the most popular posts i've done um i don't know if you can see it on here but this is the old i uh, can't see it the old oh yeah model, there we go model b yeah and that's actually judy gear she's the wife of whoop, one of the founders uh here and she actually was in the olympics as well Hey, how much was this? How much was this model A? So here's the crazy thing. Uh, it wasn't much cheaper than that. So I think it was like maybe eight twenty five to eight fifty. Okay. And um, and most of our time, like the brothers, believe in value, and so they try to keep everything as much as they can under a thousand dollars. It's always been that way, and so. I think at one point we had more price decreases than increases. And the only time we increases them is basically when our parts cost more. So. Did you guys have an explosion during um, the, the so-called pandemic? Did, did we, everyone, your mother? Yeah. It's, it sucked. Yeah. I mean, so I went back from doing marketing cause I wasn't traveling to helping with customer service and taking, and it was, it was like, I started, hating people because <laughs> everyone is freaking out and like i had this one woman that was basically telling me i was lying that we had machines even though we were in an eight-week backlog and telling me how she'd lost all this weight but she's gonna get fat again because she has no way to work out i had to explain to her what an air squat was and i said listen you do 100 air squats a day you wait that eight weeks i guarantee you're not gonna gain any weight and she's like she was letting me have it i mean i might have even hung up on her which is pretty rare so uh, but a good time though also right I mean, financially, yeah, it was, it was good. We were, I mean, it was, it was hard to watch, you know, our friends that owned restaurants and businesses that were doing shitty. And meanwhile, we were selling a ton of machines. Um, But, you know, it's also one of those things. There's also a back end to it. Everyone bought then. So like right now it's not like, I mean, we're, we're not doing bad, but it's one of those things that everything goes up and then everything tapers off, you know, on there. So. Um, are, are, are the four, are there four products? Is it the, or the bike, the skier and the rower rower? Yeah. So that's it. And those are the four Mm -hmm. Yep. wild. Uh, 
Wayne Short um, is PM6. Is that that's one of the is that what the monitors are called? Yeah, the monitors are PMs, and and, and it, everyone calls them PMS, but it's not. It's just PM, and it stands for Performance Monitor on there. So. Is PM6 on the horizon? Hopefully, with Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, firmware update capability. Appreciate the updates to ERG data, and look forward to future development. Um, so right now, if you have ERG data, which is our app, and you have a PM5, I think most all PM5s, you can actually now, if you do the firmware update, you can download more firmware on there wirelessly from your phone. It takes a long time, but like 10 or 15 minutes. But uh, as far as a PM6 goes, the way it works here is that we're always working on stuff, and we have a whiteboard in the engineering room, and we put wish lists on it, like, okay you know, cause we all use the equipment ourselves. So if somebody has an idea, they get out of the workout room, they have an idea, like they can go on the whiteboard and say, you know, I'd, I think this would be something that would be good. And it goes on the whiteboard. And then the engineers look at it as they're working on stuff and like, well, that could work, you know, this and that. Um, it's very open source here. Those poor guys usually hear it from me about game stuff all the time. Like, you know, when Dave asks for something, my go-to is to say yes, even if I don't know. And then I have those guys try to implement it into the monitors and and that's why we have like things like undefined rest in the monitors and all this stuff that's very that's that came because of crossfit because people wanted to get off a machine go lift some weights and go back without the monitors turning off and so we built that for crossfit so so the, that's how big the community is the requests from the uh crossfit community have now made it as uh components on the um Oh yeah, but it, it's not even so much that. It's like it's crazy. We're like a I don't know if it's maybe I hope all companies are like this, but maybe not. Like we really enjoy our customers. Like people who want to sweat and beat themselves up on our equipment, we'll take suggestions from anybody. I mean, if you're willing to do that, then we're we're willing to put it on the board and and see. I mean, maybe not for just one request, but if it comes up more than once, then we would uh we would put it on there and try to make it happen for them. Greg, I remember back in the day, there were like these ideas and dreams and maybe it's there. It shows how out of the loop I am, but you could be on a rower somewhere racing a guy somewhere else through Wi-Fi. Is that, that's. Yeah, that no, it's right? possible. That shit's yeah. now? Actually. So what we're working on now, and it should be the, within this year, uh, there could be an indoor race, say in like Norway, and then you and I could be at home racing, but we would show up on their big jumbotron racing from home, but within that race. So that everyone can, yeah. So everyone can race together. And then there's, you know, are there events like that? Are there big, God, that seems like a charity event dream. So actually, so, uh, what's the big fitness festival? It's coming up in England. Uh, the, the fitness, fitness fest, fest, fit fest. Yeah. yeah. So there's a large indoor race going on the same weekend at fit fest. And it's, um, it's called the brick. It's the British indoor rowing championships. And I believe that they're going to use that technology there. So. Uh, uh, speaking of, it, will that be the first time it's been used? I know it's been tested and stuff, but I'm as far as in a major competition, that might be. I mean, I might get my hand slapped from the engineers, but as far as I know, I think that's going to be it. So, uh, speaking of uh, um, sourcing, uh, just now one of the listeners in the chat, Cave Dastro, sent me this. It, it, isn't this crazy? Someone's listening to the show and then they send it to what? me. What? <laughs> Pull it up. Look at they. They found it for me. I don't even need anyone helping me. They yeah, think, I'm even repping. I think my jujitsu club shirt there. That's great. Shout that's out to cool. Kingdom Jujitsu. <laughs> that's a cool shirt. Hey Travis, that's what I want. See that crown on top of that? I want a crown on top of the CEO. A gold crown. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's killer. Look at that thing. That thing's humming. So 
I probably shouldn't say it out loud, but what always baffled me about that is like, how many fingers got caught in those things? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, well, you know, a lot of us worked out, have worked out with our little kids all over these machines. And yeah, yeah. you couldn't have your two-year-old wandering around the room with that thing going. No, no, it's, um, it's a great machine though. And actually it sounds amazing. It's got a lot more of a whoosh than a, the new machines do, but literally still is when it, you can't see it when it's spinning, but there's actually plastic cards in the spokes. Yeah. And that's what causes the resistance on there. So it was pretty low, you know. So could budget. you add more cards for more resistance? Is that how they did it? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't think so. I mean, I guess you could, uh, but there was gears on it. So I, I don't think you could, I don't know uh jedediah snelson uh oh geez uh, competing at wheelwad yeah. uh, currently maybe he's on the floor with his phone right now one of the yeah. coolest events i did was the pace race when all the rowers were hardwired together at wadapalooza yeah that was a that was a custom build that cost us a lot of money to build that software to do that but that was specifically for that one event people loved it so basically if you didn't make a a certain time cap you were out and so it got filtered down and filtered down so the guys that made it to the end like put in some meters and it was it was hard but yeah i've known jed forever i knew jed probably before either of us for crossfitting from uh the old motocross uh, scene because i used to do a do a lot with motocross i still do do a lot with those guys so uh marco uh, calderon i love concept two rower i've done marathon row twice yikes twice that's yeah should be at least once a year Yikes! Yeah, but, no yeah. shit you you you'll mess with that once a year uh, we do a, it's going on right now. It's called the holiday challenge. Um, Katie Henniger is doing it. I think uh, a couple other of the legends guys are doing it every year, but uh, so you, you pledge to try to do a hundred thousand meters or 200,000 meters between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, I do it every year just to, you know, keep the IPAs and food, you know, from getting around my waist during the holidays. And, um, and so, yeah, we're like today, everyone in the company here, we're showing Die Hard, and you can row and watch Die Hard, and you'll either get a, you know, in one movie you'll probably get a half marathon. Two movies you could get, you know, it takes about most people here it takes about three hours to do a marathon. Do you have a headset on, or they have it really loud? Really loud. Um, I got challenged to uh, by the guys at Origin Jeans to do two thousand calories uh, the first day on Thanksgiving before you had Thanksgiving dinner, and I just did that on the skier, and that was thirty-two thousand, so almost a marathon. And, but I had to go help my wife cook before that. So is that a less psychological war for you, dude? Oh, it's met. Yeah. So I always say CrossFit gave me exercise ADD. So when I was not doing CrossFit, I could just turn my brain off and do something for an hour, trail run for a couple hours, you know, stuff like that. And then did CrossFit for so long that if I'm on a machine for 20 minutes, I start to get edgy. Like I gotta, I gotta get off. I gotta go do something. So this is a good practice to, kind of just get my mind to get used to doing one thing you know or even turn off so hey dude there's this spot around i'm going to make this up 40 minutes that you just um run out of energy you're just um, um i just noticed from being on machines do you do you, have you been on rowers so much and these machines so much that you actually sense your body switching i guess this theoretical idea, maybe it's not theoretical of energy systems. Like, do you feel your body shifting? Like, okay, I'm now going to my gas engine. Now I'm going to my electric engine. Okay. Now do you feel that? Or I mean, usually if I go into these workouts knowing kind of how long it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, if I'm going to do a marathon, I never get out of zone two. I just know that I'm, you know, I'm not going hard. I'm just going. Um, now, like when Matt came up, we were doing the skier and, um, 
I forget. I think we were doing minutes on there. I mean, then it's just all anaerobic all out. So I can't say I really feel it. I mean, I definitely feel the wheels come off like in any workout, you know, but you don't ever feel yourself in the marathon row being like, okay, I'm just out of energy. Like, this is just like, I'm no, done. Because I mean, you think about it, it's not even an air squat. You're sliding on a rail. So as long as you can straighten your legs, mm. pull your arms to your chest, you know, you might not have a great pace, but you can do it. Like, remember we did the first year we did the half marathon or 2k into a half marathon and everyone lost their minds, you know, top elite crossfitters were losing their mind about having to do a half marathon meanwhile we have 95 plus age group on our logbook and these 90 year olds are doing this like on a regular basis and meanwhile doing half marathons on the oh road. full full marathons full yeah if you wow. so we're probably the only sport that has age groups that go to 90 plus age group on there and it and these guys log their workouts every day you know so dude that's crazy yeah well, you think about it, we're we're in the few non-impact other than swimming. Right. You know, it's like, you know, you should be able to do it forever. I mean, even even when you go to full straight leg in the row, it's not under load. So if you could have bad knees and bad hips and still get away with rowing, you know. So. Hey, this is gonna be a crazy question. Yeah, bear with me. I'm probably gonna get pounded in the comments for this. Do 90 year olds sweat? That's a good question. I I don't know. I mean, I've seen a guy, I think he was in his nineties at Crash Bees one year. Pouring anyway, uh he was going for it what well, was cool is when you see somebody that old in their mind they're going as hard as any of the top crossers like when they sit down on that rower he's got yeah. game face he's like i'm gonna tear the chain out of this machine now you see it real world it looks like he's barely moving but in his mind he's going as hard <laughs> as any crosser. and i love it you know he's uh, the kind of guy i want to be 90 years old if someone talks shit i want to say i could take that guy you know, and that's what this guy was. I, I love watching the old guys go. So, hey, Greg, have you noticed is, um, you know, when, when you're young and you're driving with someone who's old, um, they they think you're tailgating when you don't think you're tailgating. And now as I get older, I get it because I and I think it's because the reaction time now that I'm getting older, my reaction time is changing. So but it's also when you walk. Have you ever noticed like um, little kids, five of them will go through the door at the same time? Some fat old lady, if you get within 10 feet of her, she gives you a bad look like you crowded her. And yeah, it's just people's perception, right? Of just like what they need. Yeah. Like some people are afraid they're going to fall off the sidewalk. And oh, yeah. Tumble off the sidewalk onto the street, back on, like they don't give a shit, right? But like a, a, a 60 year old woman who's 70 pounds overweight, she's freaked out by the edge of the curb. And if you get close to her, she'll flip you I off. Mean, I mean, I get it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, um, that's one of the things I like about, you know, seeing older guys do things like jujitsu or gymnastics is, yeah. you know, I am opting to twice a week, throw myself on a mat and roll and get back up. And, and so am I intimidated by a curb? No, I just assume I'm going to roll out of it. Right. Like I do then, but you know, you see other people who've never done anything athletic in their life and they're, they're so tentative. I think that makes it worse. Like they're almost unsteady because they're so scared of the potential of falling you know or whatever what's um do you ever you ever seen a hundred year old uh compete on a rower you know i think that guy i'm talking about i think yeah. he might have been a hundred because there was three generations that all competed so it was him the son who was probably like in his 60s or 70s and that kid's that guy's son who was in college all were at crash at the same time um i mean i had the check on there but i would remember he came he's wearing sneakers with like wool socks like the kind like your mom would knit you or someone's yeah. mom would knit him and yeah. then he had he had full-on leather like wood 
you know, wood throwing work gloves on when he sat down, but he walked up to that thing. Like, like he was going out for a heavyweight title match. I mean, this guy was going to go out there and just bust it. It was awesome. <laughs> um, do you have kids, Greg? I don't No, uh, married, no kids. No. How long have you been married? 20, let's see, 23, uh, 23 years. Wow. Congratulations. I'm making up for you because you've got what three. So we're that big makes that 1.5 that we're all right. supposed Perfect. to have. Right. right and thing. Um, yeah. Is she, is she uh, a she machine person? Does your wife row? Yeah. I mean, well, she also CrossFits. Um, okay. but yeah. And is on the machines. Um, but yeah, she's been, she was actually, that's funny. Uh, she was always a runner. Um, that's how I met her. It was a blind date. She was running around the industrial park at concept two and I needed a date and someone dared me to ask her. So I went out and asked that, the running girl. So that's a true story. Yeah. True story. Yep. And then she wanted to make sure it wasn't weird. So I had to meet her for bagels first and we've been together ever since. So it was actually for our, our concept two Christmas party, which is actually happening this Saturday. And our parties are typically epic. Like she, she didn't know what she was getting into when she came to our party. We, 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 we used to go hard back then. <laughs> so. Hey, um, th that's kind of unheard of these days. Yeah. Me to just see a girl and walk up to her and be like, Hey, you want to go out? I think like everyone I hear, it's like all on the computer now. Well, I mean, I mean, I might be a little bit older than you, but we're the same age. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I feel bad for everybody that has to do it online. You know, it's right. almost right. like, yeah, it's nervous to walk up to somebody and risk rejection. But I almost think it's like, it's like everything hard. If you right. don't, if you don't do it, you don't respect it. So, um, my nephew uh, grew up on a uh, a hunting ranch in Texas, his his whole life, and recently he's moved out to California, and you know, he, and he's living in Santa Cruz, and he's working and he's surfing. He's a young man, twenty years yeah. old, oh, and he's awesome. and he's made a bunch of friends here. And he was telling me a story that he was at the bowling alley and there was a pretty girl and he was with like five or six of his buddies and he went over and talked to her and he said they were all completely freaking out, right? Because <laughs> he was there in person. Yeah. <laughs> who's the, who's the creeper? Yeah. Who's the yeah, creeper? Yeah. He said the girl was cool as shit and she was completely blown away that someone would talk to her. But he said that guys were flipping out like, dude, you can't just talk to a girl. Yeah. He's it's nuts. It's nuts. And so, I mean, I probably should wait. That's what I think you and I, if I said that would make a great podcast that just be two guys and just point out all the problems today versus when we grew up. Cause I feel so lucky. I grew up when I did, um, you know, everything from the movies to, you know, talking to people to, you know, but that's how I know I'm getting old. You know, I'm, I start to think about that stuff. <laughs> the, the, um, I was actually talking with someone this morning about the, uh, the pressure of the um, internet. So when I, when you and I went to school, there were 30 other kids we had to worry about their judgment, right? Just 30. Yeah. Now it's your entire, probably the entire high school knows everyone's Instagram. Everyone knows everyone's business. People are following your mother, your dad, your, I mean, the, the social processing or what people have access to about you has got to be completely overwhelming. I mean, I'm going to do everything in my power to protect my kids from it until the last minute. And and it doesn't even, what's crazy is it doesn't even affect me because I came from that. So like I, someone will be like, like, um, there'll be a Reddit thread with 800 comments saying the worst shit ever about me. It doesn't even affect me, but I think it's just because of where I come from. Yeah. That era. But even too, like, think about it now, if you walked out without your phone, you get this like panicky feeling like, oh, I left my phone somewhere. We lived the majority of our life, you know, looking for a payphone. you know? Right, like right. Right. <laughs> it's like, and it didn't bother us. It's like, you know, yeah. at the, in the morning you'd tell your parents when you're a kid, um, I'll see you after practice. 
they yeah. don't worry about you. They just assume you'd be home after practice. You didn't call, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, there's just a, a lot of stuff. I, you know, and I don't want to talk bad about new generations. It's just different. Um, you know, they just, they just handle things differently. <laughs> I, I like it when I forget my phone, um, which happens uh, frequently. And I liked, I, I do go through that. I like that like 30 seconds of like, should I turn back home and get it? And I'm like, yeah. dude, yeah. But I mean, you, I mean, also too, with like your job, um, any, and in mine for them, for the most part, if it's something, if I'm waiting for something that's work related, you know, you got to get it done. Then you need the phone. Um, and, and that is cool. Right. Because I can go like, so when I'm done with you, I'm going to go to the skate park and hang out for two hours, yeah. but I'm also, while I'm there going to prep for my podcast and I love it because yeah. I'll do 20 minutes of just hanging out in the bowl with the kids. And then 20 minutes I'll go sit over on the side and then work on stuff. I love it. Yeah. I enjoy watching your feed because, you know, I grew up, you know, skateboarding with my friends and I see how, what you're doing with your boys. And I'm like, man, that, that is, they're so, they're so lucky that they can, they can do it that way. You know, that they can, they can live that life where they go from jujitsu to skate park to, you know, beating up their brothers in the, in the workout room. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's a good life. Uh, Ernie Gaza, um, Garza, Ernie Garza, uh, just an idea for the app. You've never heard any ideas for the app before. Video <laughs> option to display what the monitor is showing. Wanted to do a video showing the wattage to show my members. Oh, like in real time, kind of like the One Wheel has. Are you familiar with the product, the One Wheel? Yeah, oh well, yeah. But I mean, ours can do that now. It, it, okay, so you can look at your phone and in 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 real time, kind of see what's going on on the Erg. Yeah, so you could have the Erg set for meters, and then Erg data the app with watts, and you could see the real time watts to to meters on there. Oh, okay. That's cool. So in real, okay. How you, the one wheel? You got to be pretty close to the one wheel. That's the only shitty thing you got. But I guess it doesn't matter. You're not the erg's not moving around. Yeah, the one wheel. I, I've tried them a couple of times. What I don't like for that is to go faster. You have to dip the front end, which is completely counter to my snowboarding, skateboarding. Like I don't want to have the nose of my board closer to the ground when I'm going faster. That just seems like an accident waiting to happen. So, uh, it, for, you know what's crazy is four people died on the one wheel last year. What? I no, I didn't hear that. Huh? Like three hundred thousand units sold, and four people died. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, the scheme of things. For how many they sold, I mean, I don't know. I mean, anyone ever? No one's ever died of an injury on an erg, though, right? I mean, maybe a heart not attack. Not that, not that we know. Of. Well, no, no I mean, like a, a handle hit him in the head and they're dead, right? No, no, nothing like that. But so, remember, so you were there at the year that we had the jumbotron and aromas. Yeah. Um our big banner was called roadkill r-o-w possibly d roadkill uh -huh. and it was a chalk outline by a by a rowing machine uh-huh we it was very popular but then we started working with the villages down in florida you know the old people's home yeah yeah <laughs> one of my coworkers went down there and brought posters that had roadkill on it it was like and i'm like that's the one place where you probably could have someone's gonna fall right. off and I, right. i'm like oh. that wasn't that wasn't cool you know but um we got no one got hurt so it was okay so safest uh safest piece of gym equipment out there uh get with the programming uh chase ingram i did a million meters in 2019 was a hell of a year i think i remember nicole carroll did that too well, Rich used to, I think Rich would do a million a year because he was doing 10K every morning uh, when Rich was winning, yeah. if I remember right. Hey. I mean, that's 40 minutes in the morning. If you got up and just cruised for 40 minutes, you'd, you'd have 10K or, or thereabouts. I mean, it depends on how fast you row. But, um, I mean, if you want a good cardio base, it's a quick, easy way to do it. You use all the machines? Do you use them all? 
I do. Yes. I use all of them. I have all three at home too, not to mention here, but the skier is my, is my jam. That's I, I love it. And, and why is that? I, I think I've done the skier twice in my life. Uh, well, so, and people are probably lose their shit on this. So rowing, because you're taking a long stroke. If you're a tall guy with long legs, and we do the same amount of strokes, they're covering more distance mm-hmm. unless I, you know, add more pull in there. So it's not as noticeable on the skier as it is on the rower. Um, I'm not saying that's why I like the skier better. Actually, the skier helps me more with like, I feel like with jujitsu and then in CrossFit, where we're always doing hip opening movements. The mm-hmm. skier is a hip closing movement. So mm-hmm. it complements CrossFit. I feel, um, better for what I do. Um, but also I don't like to sit like, am I, I don't have a seat, a chair at my desk. Um, I stand all the time. Um, I don't, I don't like sitting for long periods of time, uh, even on the rower, even though I, I know it's good, I'll, I'll do it for, for wads. But, um, like when I'm going to do a marathon here coming up on the, you know, for the holiday challenge and I'll do it on the skier just because I can stand the whole time. What's your official title there at concept two? So no one really has titles, but I gave one to myself that I thought was really cool. Probably about 20 years ago. I'm the director of motor and action sports. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. 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 The very motocross of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the time there was, I would, I gave myself that that was pre CrossFit. So now it says that and then like CrossFit apostrophe or comma CrossFit at the end. So, um, did you ever think when you started working there, you'd work there this long? Absolutely not. My dad was a 30 year IBMer, and I said that, I go, what poor bastard would ever work at one place for 30 years? You know, mm. and I actually like, I just, I just had disdain for any company that would like lock their people down. But like, this, this is not a normal company. And like, this is my business attire. You know, like I could come in in my workout gear and, and work and do my day. And, um, you know, and everyone here, you know, especially for Vermont, you know, look at general population. Everybody here is pretty fit. Um, some people are very, very fit. And so just the culture here is, um, it's not like a normal business, you know? So, um, when you first started working there, your job was to put the machines together. Yeah. Yep. Um, now build, I mean, now it's more marketing stuff. Um, you know, it's working with CrossFitters, it's working with pro athletes. Um, you know, it's answering all the emails of people who want stuff, you know, things like that. Now, nowadays it's turning down influencers that don't really influence people, stuff like that. You know, um, that I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk about that in a second. Um, so give me an, an, an idea. So if Rich is like, Hey, we're doing a charity event. Does he, does Rich call you directly or Rory call you and say, Hey, Greg, what's up? This is Rory. Hey dude, we're going to do a charity event and we're going to need uh, 30 rowers. Do you guys want to be involved with us? That's exactly what happens. And what's, I mean, not that we play favorites, but if Rory texts me or Rich text me or you know there's certain people in that og crowd there's probably a better chance that we're going to be able to make it happen because uh, it's not always easy because you have to do something with machines we don't necessarily want to take all the machines back we're not like rogue where a big truck pulls in and machines go off the machines go back on and they come back to vermont um you know we try to do it in a way that uh either they they buy them at a little bit of a discount and then the money that they sell off where it can go to the charity you know try to figure out just a creative way to make it happen on there but. And, and and that makes sense you have long relationships with people it is the is the biggest relationship what is the biggest relationship concept who has is it with universities is it with crossfit is it with the olympics what's your biggest relationship it's a good question um i mean me personally it's definitely crossfit but i mean as a whole globally mm-hmm. 
I mean, the on-water rowing community, mm. you know, they built us. We're very loyal to them. In the last Olympics, I think it was over 80% of all the oars in the Olympics were made here in Morrisville and all across all countries. Um, so, I mean. Oh, the actual oars. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I keep forgetting about that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, and then anybody who races on the water trains on our machines. I mean, any, it, that's just like the standard. We're the standard for them. So, I mean. It's hard to say, like at CrossFit's biggest, what were we at? Like how many, I mean, how many, how many CrossFitters are there in the world right now? What would you say? 4 million worldwide. Yeah. 4 million. I mean, it's gotta be CrossFit then. Cause I mean, I can't imagine there's, but I don't know if that's, it could be rolling. 2 million by the way, it could be 2 million, but, but, um, uh, there, let's say there's a, let's say there's 10,000 gyms that have 10 rowers each, but then there's also probably, um, uh, 10,000 hotels that have one rower each and 10,000 universities that have five rowers each. Right. And, and, Oh, Harvard would have 200 rowers, you know, something wow. like that. Yeah. Wow. So if they have a, a large program, I mean, actually, um, things like, uh, Texas DPS, the police, I mean, they probably have close to 200 rowers or a little, at least over a hundred rowers in their Academy department of police services, DPS. That Yeah. Uh, public safety. Um, but, uh, remember you might've been there. Uh, Orange County Fire, way back with, was it Mike Contreras? Do you remember that name? Yep. yep, uh, yep back yep. in the day, uh, Orange County Fire had like 200 rowers that were all around the departments. And so that was like the first, it wasn't CrossFit, but it was CrossFit because they're all doing CrossFit at Orange County Fire. And they bought like 200 machines to disperse around the um the different firehouses and they would compete against, you know, one firehouse against another firehouse and stuff like that. And that was way back, you know, close to the start of CrossFit when that was going on. And that was fun because, you know, again, I said, my, I'm lucky that the guys I work with, the departments I work with, they're all people I'd hang out with anyways. So it's pretty simple. Do you know how many rowers have been sold? I don't actually. Um, I get that question a lot, but um, I mean, I, I don't, I bet you I'd have, I don't think the founders would even have a hard time. I mean, I'm sure we could look it up, but I mean, they probably don't know off the top of their head. But it's insane. Well, yeah, I mean, it's what happens. The truck pulls up every single day, one truck, and and takes them to the post office. Well, I mean, no, I mean, there's more than one truck. I mean, when Rogue buys from us, I mean, they're they're sending trucks pretty regularly, and so semi will just come there and just take fucking a semi full of rowers to Rogue, and then from there they sell them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we're really lucky. Our relationship with well, so when we met Bill and Katie, it was the year Katie won the games, and Bill at the time I think was only making plywood jump boxes mm. when we met those guys. And so, as much as I'm completely impressed, and you know, with the founders of our company, I would I would think, like I hold Bill in very high regard. Like I'd put him up there with the geniuses of Pete and Dick Dreisigacker, Greg Glassman, you know what he built in the same amount of time. It's the Bezos shit of fitness. It's crazy. What an amazing website. What a, oh, it's a junk food fucking hold on to your wallet before you go there. Throw your, lock your wallet in a safe. It's, it's, it's amazing. And yet you can still talk to those guys at the games and they're just still the same people that you met, you know, back at Aromas, you know? Yeah. Walking around with hard hats and moving shit and. Yeah. yeah, I've gotten like some of the people I consider really good friends are all people that work for them too. That like, cause 
when I first started, like, remember they had the East Coast Championships at Reebok and things like that, yep. you know, for the, so I would go down for my event, but I would stay and help the road guys. Cause I like, I like turning wrenches. I like moving heavy shit. So I would help them. And I got to know a lot of those guys. And to this day, well, like, you know, Kenny Castro, yeah. I mean, I actually know Kenny better than Dave, just because, you know, I met Kenny working, doing stuff with Rogue and helping out when I could and stuff like that. And in turn, those guys, if I ever needed anything at any event, half their employees could could do what I do at an event on our equipment. They're really knowledgeable. So, hey, dude, that is probably you take it for granted, but that is really a fucking incredibly unique relationship that that probably Concept Two and Rogue have. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, right? I I don't take it for granted. That's the thing is like, um. So the way that our company is like when we went out to the Rogue Invitational, it was in Columbus. We brought the founders. Well, we brought the whole U.S. biathlon team. That's where we did a skier an actual shoot event um, there. And even the um, the owner's son, who's also an engineer, you should have saw these guys geeking out on on Bill's factory floor and all this oh. stuff. I mean, I mean, it was like Bill probably yeah. loved that too because he knows how cool it is, and there's probably very few people who can appreciate it. So he oh yeah, Bill, he's been here too and saw our operation too. So yeah. He probably, it's, um, you know, it's like being into, I don't know, flowers and 90% of the people don't give a shit. You find someone who's into flowers and you guys geek out. He's, he was probably stoked. Oh yeah. And at the time, I think he had just got some like new ro robotic welders and stuff. And, you know, we're not, we're not there, you know, here, we still do a lot of stuff by hand and stuff like that. So yeah, we were really into it. Uh, just. I think it's supposed to be just got three new monitors for my gym rowers. The simplicity of design and ease of ordering parts is great. Mark, uh, Mike Artunian. You were lucky. If, you, if anyone notices, I mean, the monitors are the most expensive thing, but our parts are super inexpensive. Like that's another philosophy that the owners have is like, if someone's willing to give us their money on the machine, we're not going to nickel and dime them for parts. We want these things to last forever. And it's, it is true. Like, where was that? We were just down at the rogue invitational. We went to, what was it? Uh, OC cross, not OC cross. Um, I forgot the, what affiliate was, but they had a 20 plus year old machine that was, they use every day in their classes in there and it just keeps on going. So that's what, that's what makes us feel good. Like our machines will never get thrown away. Hopefully. So, uh, Allegra R I'm in the street parking group and someone posted the first iteration of the rower on sale in Facebook marketplace. Wish I could post pictures on it here. Oh, crazy. Are those collector's items now? They, they've gone to be, well, here's a crazy thing. We sell a PM5, which is our modern monitor adapter kit for that old bicycle wheel rower. So the cards on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so there's someone with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth on a machine that adds cards in the wheel, you know, and it's uh, they just don't, they just won't give it up, you know? So I think that's, you know, so you've heard of engineered obsolescence. We're just the opposite. Like we, we, we want these machines to get passed down when dad gets too old to row, it goes to their kid. When yeah. that guy gets too old, it goes to their kid. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of unique. We don't, you don't see that very often with other companies either. Hey dude, remember this Daniel Garrity. I had to call my mom collect to pick me up from baseball practice and do emergency breakthroughs. Do you remember doing emergency breakthroughs? You call the <laughs> operator from the payphone and be like, Hey, I got to talk <laughs> to my mom. You got to break into her, into my phone. And I do remember that or even like call or collect call. Yeah. Making a collect call or yeah. I remember, I mean, I wasn't crazy. Yeah. It's uh, 
Well, actually, uh, I mean, this is totally off topic, but we got a bunch of young guys that we just hired here. And we had an old, remember the credit cards where you'd go slide it back and forth and it took an imprint of your credit card? Yes, yes. So, so we had that machine and I handed it to him. I go, do you know what this is? And he's he's looking at it. He goes, does it, does it plug into the phone? He couldn't figure out. He'd never seen a credit card machine that actually had like the carbon copy in it. Hey, dude, those were, um, my dad, my dad had a wine and cheese store. And I remember as a little kid, because you had to have some oomph in those yeah they were oh, kind yeah. of they were kind of scary not that they could injure you but like if you did have your finger down there that shit would mash it <laughs> That's uh, right. and you had to make sure that the copy went through hard enough to get the numbers or you couldn't see it on there and my dad was always panicked if i would do it because um i had never seen this happen but he said if you put the card in wrong it would just snap the card in half <laughs> do you ever see, this, is our, this, there? this is our podcast right. we just talk about old shit <laughs> all the time <laughs> so many people probably don't even know what we're actually talking about right now that's ah, all right <laughs> uh, sean letterman for any three hundred thousand mile vehicles sold there are probably f uh more than four deaths that oh for every three hundred thousand. oh yeah for sure uh, yeah uh for sure that's a great that's a great point going back to the um one wheel um i um oh here we go uh allegra r saw the first model of a c2 rower on sale in facebook marketplace this week amazing how far you've come wish i could post a pic oh sorry Dang, I read that for you for free. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Olsen Dudes, absolutely amazing product, the Concept 2 products. We have had two 24-hour challenges using the C2 rower and two uh, NC2 ski erg, over 50 people using machines the full 24 hours. Yeah, actually, Dale King just did that with, um, with an affiliate over in the UK. They did it. I think it was, they both did a 24-hour row. And to see who could get the most meters in 24 hours, which I thought was an amazing idea. I'd love to see gross, gross. That, that idea of like sister affiliates, like just find somebody oh, in a different part of the world. Person, people rotating in on it. Yeah, rotating in and okay. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are people. We have world records for 24-hour rows for single people, single yeah. individuals. Yeah. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it's we have it's worse than that. We have stuff that is even long, like longest continual row. We have all those records on our website. Um, uh, for, is, is there any development you have from rowing that you think just of 20 years of messing with the skier, putting them together, rowing? Is there any development you have anywhere in your body? You're like, yep, that's from rowing, like your hands or your back or your lower back or your glute, anything specific that you're like, yep, that's, that's exaggerated growth there from just me being a row junkie. I mean, not me because I do a lot of different sports and lift and stuff like that, but the guys that row sweep rowing sweeper noise you know when you row with just with two hands on one oar and you're either on the port side or the starboard side okay if you're an olympic rower and you're always on the same side mm -hmm. you will notice lat development more on one side depending oh. on which way they stroke oh. um but i mean sweep rowers are going to be collegiate athletes and then unless they go to the olympics they'll probably stop after the olympics um but your hands definitely take a beating but I mean, I lift weights, so I mean, to say if my calluses came from a bar or came from the rower, it's hard to say. I mean, I just have gross hands. So, uh, Cave Dastro says it makes your hog bigger. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's um, it That's gets so caught funny. gets caught in the seat rollers. It's terrible. You're in marketing. Just put that on the rower. Rowers says makes your hog bigger. <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. But that's great. He got the cornrow picture. That's 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 awesome. <laughs> oh, dedicated. Yeah uh rb anyone see the video with brian shaw rowing with ben smith crazy power yeah so we worked with brian way back when he was when he, and um 
on the original skier, which is not the black one. It was another one, but yeah, Brian was probably the first strong man that I ever personally worked with. And, um, still one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Just a solid dude. I just saw him in Texas and he remembers, you know, me and talking to him and yeah, just a great dude. And, uh, and, uh, and Ben Smith's one of the nicest guys ever. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so it's, that's not a bad place to be. I didn't realize he did it with Ben. I know he's worked. So, I hope it's common knowledge, but I think Brian's actually going to do an MMA fight coming out, coming up, which are you kidding? I, I think, I think. And if it's, if I'm, if I'm letting something out, then uh, I think it's been talked about. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which means he'll probably be on the machines more. MMA guys really do a lot on ergs, both the skier and the rower. Oh yeah. It says it here. Uh, Shaw's MMA training has already begun. High altitude martial arts in Denver. Oh, fuck, that's a good place to train. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the size of his lungs and the amount of air that guy needs. But um, wow. Yeah. Uh, Molo, please um, do squats, not drugs. Karma donation for the rower Greg sent me during my brutal trauma rotation and residency. <laughs> oh, that's Mike. Yeah. So, yeah, he's another CVF guy. Yeah, he's great. At one point, we had probably more doctors on the floor at Champlain Valley because there's a medical school at University of Vermont and actually uh, Candace Frazier Matt's mom worked out with us and so I think we had was it Vinnie Con uh, probably like six or seven doctors on the floor at any one workout you're the safe, safest place to be was at Champlain Valley CrossFit um, Matt's mom's a physician yeah yeah she's my mom's doctor actually yeah C crazy Olympian. I mean she's re retired now but yeah she, she's very well respected doctor around around um, you know cold Burlington, Colchester, that area of Vermont. Um, uh, so this, uh, um, this whole phenomenon, I, I, I don't know how to give it context. I'll, I'll take a stab, but so there was a point when, when I was working at CrossFit where we had the loudest voice because of the blog. And then this thing came around called social media and we had the loudest voice because we had the biggest social media. And then slowly you started realizing each person could have their own social media account. So, you know, you would have these other big accounts in the space. Now, I know you can't compare apples to oranges. Someone's 10,000 followers is different than someone else's million followers. You can't just say the million followers are more significant, especially now. But let's say it is that way. Um, so now you have all of these uh, powers, powers that be out there that are influencing. So. The other day, um, I or or or, or uh, YouTube videos like when I went and filmed with Miko Salo, he he was wearing wrist straps, and I immediately bought the wrist straps, and then like twenty other people told me they bought them, even though we weren't even trying. That wasn't even I didn't even think anyone else noticed that besides me. I never yeah. even used the wrist straps. The other day, Dana White's like, "Hey, I, when I fast, I take these electrolytes," and he just held them up for a second, and I paused the video and I went on Amazon <laughs> and I bought them. Yeah, I agree, <laughs> but. But other people can tell you that they're using shit. Like, like it, it doesn't always work. Like, like not even close. I, I feel like, is that true? I feel like sometimes, yeah. like, dude, I would never like, I don't know. I'm not even sure why I've cracked the code on what works and what doesn't work, but there's lots of people where I'm just like, yeah, I would never buy that shit. No matter how much, like, I don't know if you're, what your relationship was with them, but like there's shoes out there that no amount of people fucking, I could see God walking around in them and I am buying a pair. Yeah. It's, I get, I think I get what you're saying and it is true. And, um, 
we'll see. And I don't know how the whole algorithm work is followers and stuff, but I've seen people with a lot of followers that will post something that you would think would just crush it for us. And then you'll get somebody like Miko who people might not even remember anymore, but the, his followers are going to be more loyal to him because they know who he is and he has less followers, but the overall effect on us is going to be greater from somebody with less followers, but with a more loyal following. The versus, conversion. It's called, right? We call it the conversion. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of, and this is another for our new podcast where we bitch about stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fitness influencers that genetically were gifted with amazing bodies and pretty faces. And the only time you see them working out is for two seconds a clip. And they have a lot of followers because people like to watch them and look at them for aesthetics reasons, but are they really going to put that much money of their hard earned money towards whatever they say is on there? You know, and I think we're saturated right now with, with those types of people. And I still appreciate when they do their stuff and everything, but I, from the back end side, I definitely see who really holds influence and who doesn't on there. Um, yeah. Um, uh, no, no, it's not rads. I'd wear rads. I wasn't referring to rads. Uh, Sevon, you'd love rads. I'd love to try on a pair of rads. Yeah. I'm very picky about my shoes, though. What shoes do you wear? So right now, actually, I wear either Puma suede's or uh, I'm still an '80s guy. So or Adidas suede's or what I work out in now. But previous to that, when Matt was getting free shoes from Nike, he would bring in some free shoes. I'd get free shoes from Matt occasionally. So I had oh, Nike Metcons. Cool. Yeah. yeah, Matt was very generous. And then, but before that, and I heard you said it, I still have two pair of nano twos when they first came out one was the custom ones where you could go on the reebok site and like customize the colors and i still think those are the best shoes ever made like if they weren't so ratty i would wear them as everyday shoes yeah and i still like vans i like flat shoes you know skate shoes so um uh what was this um oh tanya bowers uh what is greg's involvement with motocross our goals are uh, laurietta's next year yeah, Loretta Lynn's is the oh. reference there. So that's the or one Loretta, of, yeah. yeah, one of two or one of three of the amateur nationals. Um, so way, way back when. So our machines are great for strength to weight ratio. So if you want to get strong and you want to keep your body weight down, you want to stay lean, like anybody in a horsepower sport, like a motorcycle is very important um, to be light and fast, like a jockey almost. Think of that. Um, so motocrossers have always loved our machines plus it's a pulling motion which you get on the bars and stuff like that and then the skier too so since i got here started with travis pastrana was probably the first guy we started working with with travis and then a guy named ricky carmichael and then it just all the top trainers in the world use our even rowers even i know those guys those guys are like yeah. i don't know what they do but i know those names so those yeah are names some of the best in the world yeah. and and they and they they gravitated toward the concept too. They knew. Yeah. Well, it's funny how it came about. So I've always thought Travis was great. And um, I think it was Dirt Rider magazine that's out in California. I think it was a Wasserman original or something trans world. Maybe the r- guy went to Travis's house and Travis had a rower already. His dad was a PE teacher and he would challenge anybody to a 500 meter sprint. And if you beat him, he would give you a set of motocross gear. And I saw this in the magazine, like, oh, shit, this is great. And it was an old machine. It was an outdated machine. So through some friends, I got Travis's email. I said, Travis, do you want, you know, 
pre-machine if you're doing this this is helping us you now know that's an influencer now that's, that's an, fucking, oh yeah he's the, he's yeah. the influencer he's yeah, in yeah. the world so i drove down to maryland and actually spent the weekend and almost died six or seven times they were filming uh, one of his nitro circus videos down there so i brought two machines down we worked out and rode uh mini bikes and dirt bikes and did crazy stuff um and while i was down there i was like thanking him for having me down and all this stuff and he's like you know the fastest guy in the world on a dirt bike ricky carmichael uses your rower every day and i'm like no i didn't know that so he puts me in contact with him and his trainer at the time was a guy alden baker great guy great trainer who's still a number one trainer today then i got to know him and then it just kind of went, kept going and going from there and it just kept and now i would say the rower is probably one of the premier training devices for motocross other than road cycling road cycling is still the biggest what year were you at concept two during this Oh, that would have been not long after I got here. That probably would have been in uh, 2002, three, something like that. Maybe earlier. And, and did the owners, did um, uh, uh, Dick and Pat, is that what their names? Peter, Dick and Peter. Dick and Peter. <laughs> Dick and Peter. Um, uh, did they... Um, did they just trust? Was that just easy? You're like, hey guys, I'm going here. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's like, funny. Here, and they're like, yeah, go ahead. Did they just trust you? How does that work? Because in the cross days, we were growing so fast, anyone could fucking do anything. Like we, I would just be like, "Hey, I'm going to Europe." They'd be like, "Yep, just bring back content." So it's kind of the same way, but I, I myself, I realize I'm spending their money. So I mean, I'm not going to make any decision. I think is foolish, but right. I'm explaining to these guys. They don't own. They never own TVs. They didn't. They don't. They don't own TVs. They're kind of a, more of a, I guess, like a. a I want to say it derogatory. Like, radio. like radio. A, a hippie type okay thing. vermont okay. you know no tvs yeah. no whatever um just really good guys so i i went to the local store and i bought a travis patrona action figure yeah. the kind with the bendy arms yeah and i brought it in and i'm like this is the guy i want to go see he has an action figure have you ever had somebody with an action figure want your rowing machine and they're like nope very so, manipulative greg very manipulative but it was, was it was cool. it was fun and uh and him like brian shaw being this big name and influencer was the most genuine person ever and and then worked with him you know after that and actually the car company that he still races for is in vermont vermont sports car it makes his rally cars he still has some ties to vermont so uh, who pastrana yeah. yeah hey so so going back to the job so you you earned the trust of uh um dick and peter yeah but i mean that it's not say earned it you know if they hired you they yeah. trusted you. Like right. that's the other thing. When I got hired, I was a temp for almost a year. So I, long story short, I, I sold my business. I was doing corporate wellness in in Maine, and I absolutely hated it because nobody really wanted to be get fit. They just wanted someone to hold their hand. And I was buying rowing machines because I could get people really fit in my my budget. I had to spend anything I didn't spend on equipment. I could put in my own pocket. So I was like, oh, I'm going to buy rowing machines. I can get people really fit. They're not expensive. And every time I called to buy one everybody here was either out skiing or trail running or having fun. I'm like, this place sounds amazing. And I was already from Vermont. So I ended up coming back to Vermont, but I was testing. I also was in the air national guard as a firefighter. So I was looking at being a full-time firefighter. So I tested for a fire department as well as working as a temp at concept two. Wow. And, um, and so for a year, it's how they kept jokingly keep the assholes out. If you work with somebody for a year and, and they're still a good dude, then they feel cool with hiring you. Um, yeah, and yeah. so, you know, you pay your, pay your dues. And some guys that were temps never got hired, you know? So, so they did, they do have this inherent trust of you when they hired you, you're part of the family. So. Uh, um, uh, you were in the military. 
Uh, the Air National Guard, yeah, paid for my college. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like, yeah, I was in the Air Guard. We have an F-16 unit here. I did crash rescue firefighting. And the only time I got deployed was to the Azores for the Bosnian conflict. And I was there for like, I don't know, nothing like it is today. You know, it was it was pretty easy. And it paid for all my college. And you're not in it anymore? I'm not. No, I when I started traveling for work, it always, so guard weekends were always like first weekend of the month and then two weeks a year, you know, like they all, the old used to be and it always seemed like when it was a trade show going on or i was traveling for work so it uh i ended up not doing that but i i still miss it and i work a lot with the military guys now um which i enjoy i'm still i'm a incredibly patriotic guy so mm. i try to do a lot with the military stuff um do you guys still do trade shows or you're too big for that it's too it's not even necessary like do you guys even have a booth at the games uh we haven't lately i want to get back to doing a booth at the games mainly because i'm always running from event to event mm -hmm. and so i feel really I mean, rude. doing like uh when you say running from event to event working like making sure bill and katie and dave and crew have what they need from concept too because you're Absolutely. such a part okay yeah and you're not you know, like with a beer in your hand no no not till after yeah, right. Yeah. right but no it's uh yeah because you only know, think about it in madison i would have to run from the stadium to like that far park and a lot of times there's overlapping events. And so, you know, I'm yeah, running going team going and individual going and, and they could all be using one of your pieces of equipment. Right. Essentially, it's me and usually one other person or two other people. Um, and so we didn't have a booth, but people would try to stop me and like explain they're having a problem with the rowing machine in their you know, legit question. And I want to help them you with like their home. Like, hey, are you the concept two guy? I got this machine in my garage, like shit like oh, that. Oh, I get it all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the weekends, I get I get instagram messages from people i don't know saying my pm5 is not working and i'm yeah. like oh. but um but so i want to come back to a booth where they can go and ask those questions to my coworkers, and then i can keep going back and forth but now we're going to be in in fort worth you know in one place i might who knows i might have time to do both uh, you know work a booth and do the events right right should be easier i'm hoping it's going to be easier for us so God, I hope I, I hope they let me come back next year. I, I, I really want to see this new venue. I really like the idea of it. What do you venue. mean, not let you come back? You had you, the very, hell? very tenuous, very ten, very, very have to be very strategic and tactical. I have a big mouth, and I have to be very careful. <laughs> you know what you did? Talking about big mouth is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you interviewed me in a tunnel. Was it? But there's a marathon, or was it the half marathon? And I was so impressed. Like, oh, wow, Savon interviewed me. I've, I'm I'm a big deal now and all this stuff. And then at night, I'm watching it on my phone. And it said, Greg Hammond, owner of Concept2. Oh, I think <laughs> that in my brain still to this day, you own it. Did that get you yeah. in trouble? Oh, I quickly uh, text Peter and I go, hey, you might hear I'm the owner. I didn't Did tell not. him that. <laughs> hey, that's smart. That is but, very smart. But then Peter's like, he goes, that's fine. He goes, I want people to ask you for free stuff instead of me. So it's okay. <laughs> hey, well, the thing is, is you, tr for anyone who just, maybe not for people who are in the audience, but anyone who takes one step behind the scenes um, at the cross, at, 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 in CrossFit knows your affiliation with concept two. It's, yeah. I mean, cause you're just, you're, you, I mean, you've been, like I said, you've been around as long as I have. We both, 2008 was my first games too. And I, and, and so like, I see you as, ubiquitous with concept too i can't imagine you and a lot of people move around you know someone will be at hwpo then at reebok then at um, somewhere else and you just haven't you just like you always have like one machine on your back hey what's up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's cool though i was thinking about this too you know 
trying to run things through my head before I talk to you. And it's like one of the cool things about the, well, I mean, I didn't want it to disperse, but when CrossFit headquarters kind of started doing this little crumble down and things were, were getting a little weird for a while and everybody left or got fired, it kind of helped because everybody that we knew were good dudes and good workers at one place went to some other place and you instantly oh. had that connection, you know? So it's amazing the number of people I, I'm like, I wonder who works here. And they're like, Oh, Greg, we've met. I used to work for so-and-so. And I'm like, Oh, okay. It's, right. it's, uh, it's pretty wild how people stayed in the space, but just moved around to different companies, you know, in there. But. You you get to see people be really successful too, based on their metrics of how many machines they buy, right? So, like you said, Bill was making plyo boxes. Now you're sending semis to him. Yeah. Uh, Rich Crony was just a a kid um, living in an apartment with uh, and and being an assistant strength coach at Tennessee Tech, and now he's got the Mayhem Empire. Uh, you see Tia, young girl from Australia. Now she's got these bought this massive, awesome place in Tennessee. So it's kind of cool, right? And, oh, I, I love it. Yeah. And you and you get in you're associated with so many world class um eccentric people. I, I don't mean eccentric eccentric in any negative way, but just go getters. Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing we've been lucky is that we're you know, typically crossfitters are very positive people and hard workers. And if you're positive and you work hard, I mean you can do whatever you want, you know, you're gonna be successful for the most part. But anyone um, ever try to poach you? You ever get headhunted? Make me personally, yeah. You know, it's funny. the 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 closest it came, and I don't even know if he was serious about it. Tony Budding, when oh. at, at, <laughs> way back yeah, in yeah. Aromas, yeah, was kind of feeling out. He, I mean, he might not even been there. Maybe he was just making conversation. He's like, "So do you like do you like Concept Two? I'm like, "Yeah, I like, like Concept Two. And he goes, "But you like CrossFit?" I'm like, "Oh, I, yeah, I love CrossFit." And I'm like, "Is this guy asking me if I'd be interested?" But that was, I don't even know what I would have done. Um, but he was always, guess, he probably was trying he probably, he was, he was, the company was growing fast then he needed people. He probably saw the, like you were class act, you worked hard. He probably was trying to, you know, recruit you. I mean, I would have loved it, but I wouldn't have had the longevity clearly that I did. Oh, you'd I have here. You'd have been yeah, fair. for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I am a, a very loyal to my friends, very loyal guy and to the, and to, for Peter and Dick to take the chance on me. Um, you know, then, you know, something they'd have to get rid of me because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the long haul for those guys. So. God, congratulations. It's cool that you found your, uh, your home, your calling yeah. Alex person. Hey, Greg, I love concept too. I inherited some machines from someone in Naples. That means they're, they died, <laughs> but they were exposed to flooding last year during hurricane Ian. Uh, they don't work 100%. Can someone help with repairs? Yeah, we get, so we, we help in that floods and stuff like that. You know, we, we've fully aware of this stuff. You really don't need anyone to help you. Typically the machines are fine. If you just clean them out, uh, it's just the electronics. So you might need just new monitors on them, but literally clean them out, get all the silt and stuff off of them and they should be fine. I mean, we have, we, these machines have been through fires. I mean, I have pictures of them on the mountaintops of Afghanistan, you know, with special operations units with dust and rocks and everything all over them. And, you know, they've been flooded and, typically with a good cleaning and a new, some new, a new monitor and pickup wire, they're fine, you know, and seat rollers, typically seat rollers get all gross in there. So, but seat rollers, like, you know, six bucks a piece. I mean, everything's pretty inexpensive except for that monitor, which I think we're up to like maybe 200 for that. So, um, Jake Chapman, uh, Mr. Hammond, have you ever poured alcohol down your abs and had a lady lick it off? <laughs> 
Do I know you, Jake? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Just um, your mom, Jake. Just your yeah. mom. <laughs> oh, I should have said that. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I, and actually, Abs is is uh, being generous. Abba maybe is more accurate. So over the ab, over the ab. Yeah. Um, uh, Patrick Clark concept has become a huge part of military readiness. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Um, especially in the army with the Im implementation of the ACFT and the 5K row used as an alternate event. Oh, the rowers is one of the tests. Uh, all the services. Yeah, we've been lucky um, to some extent in all different kind of distances and stuff. But yeah, army gets a 5K. Uh, I forget what their time domain is for that. Um, there's actually for the bike, or maybe that is the bike he's referring to. Yeah, the bike's in there for the army. Um, I mean, the Navy probably of all the branches probably buys more of our equipment than the other branches, but that's quickly armies get catching up. Um, Navy special operations probably had a lot to do with that. So because of CrossFit and stuff that like, you know, Josh Everett and, and Dave did once the, the SEAL team started using our equipment a lot, um, you know, it's almost like looking at your heroes, like the other guys in the military, were like, Oh, I want to do what those guys do. And then it just started working up, um, from there. And we also, with the military academies, a lot of the guys in the Pentagon were either rode for an academy or they know somebody who rode for the academy. So they know the company, they know what we do and stuff like that. And it's actually other than CrossFit working in the military guys is probably my most enjoyable. Wow. I shouldn't say that. I like the motocross stuff too, but, um, the military guys are great. great job, dude. You just basically have a great job. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Pretty you lucky. Love, you love coming to work. Yeah, I mean, not every day, but yeah, most days. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And when you when you don't love coming to work, it's because you're being a pussy. It really is. You got a good gig. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I'm like everybody else. You know, some days you're just like yeah. you got those emails you just don't want to do. And actually, yeah. the hardest thing is saying no. I mean, we get so many requests yeah. for everything. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely would love to help everybody, but we're still a business and we can't do that. You know, for everybody, and so. You know, I let emails stack up that are all no's. I'm sorry, we can't help you. I'm sorry, we can't help you. And those are the days that's, that suck because I'd like to. And I, right. I don't know how they perceive me. Yeah. Like, oh, like Greg can't help with our our CrossFit mm -hmm. cancer benefit. Oh, Greg must love cancer. You know, it's like, I don't want that. It's just, we just can't, <laughs> we just can't help everybody, you know? Right, it's like, right, right. Um, and so I hope they don't feel that way. And I think a lot of times I just put that on myself. Yeah. I've never had anybody you know, you know, mother F me for yeah. not being able to help him. You asked, well, my son needed that rower. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, we used to get that all the time too. My son's going to be the next great Olympic rower. And you look at his times, you're like, I have, I have bad news. Your son is not going to be the best rower. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, I'm fine with telling kids that they're not going to be good at a sport. <laughs> Sometimes they need tough love. So, so uh, uh, my buddy, uh, Travis Bajant, the one whose son and his son. Uh, yeah. I know Travis. I met him when I met you. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. So try, you know, Travis's son went to the NFL, right? Oh, absolutely. That was amazing. Yeah. So he's, he's talking to uh, one of uh, Tyson's trainers and he goes, Hey, I want to show you some videos. And he shows him some videos of my kids. He's like, what do you think these kids uh, need to do to become professional athletes? He looks at Travis. He looks back at the video. He's all human growth hormone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, genetically, what'd you give those kids? I mean, it's kind of oh, your fault. Man. They're fucked. They're yeah. fucked. Poor little fucking. The other day, Josh Bridges is telling me he wants his son to be 5'11". I'm like, dude, if my son's 5'7", I will fucking do a backflip. 
Yeah. Like I, I tell people I'm 5'10". I'm not 5'10". I'm, I'm shorter than that, but my, I'm the f- tallest guy in my family. So, right. I mean, I was screwed. Yeah. When I was playing rugby, my goal was to be six foot, 215 and run like the wind. I ended up at like 5'9", like at my heaviest, like 190, and I was slow as death, you know? So I never really, never really did well. Um, Being the tall, I, I think I was pretty much the tallest person in my family too, which is kind of cool because I never, it, it truly wasn't until I went to college uh, I went to UC Santa Barbara that I was like, oh shit, I'm short. So it was kind of cool. So I went, I'll take you to an indoor rowing event sometime, yeah. you and I, and we'll go in an elevator and we'll be looking at belt buckles. It's, that's, it's how bad it is. <laughs> Damn, look at that guy's hog. He's <laughs> doing his hog. He just does. Three inches from my yeah. nose. Don't mind my friend Savon. He's just really <laughs> looking at your belt buckle. <laughs> uh, Magnus Holmgren, uh, Mr. Greg. Uh, and Greg fix something. So I ordered a PM five display to me. Do you send PM, uh, PM five? Do you send stuff to Mexico? I'm not sure. We I- have a, we have a, a reseller in Mexico city that handles all that. Yeah. Uh, Santiago Fuentes it's yeah. Remo Mexico. Um, but yeah, they, they handle everything down in, in Mexico for us. Although okay. I did, I did want to get the, uh, the resort market. That's my next marketing gig. I'm going to start doing stuff with the resort so I can go down to Mexico. Um, I, um, there's this, uh, hotel I stay at in, um, Arizona when I go there to visit Greg and, and uh, it's called the Valley Ho and they have a rower and it's awesome. I use really? it when I go there. Yeah. I use the rower there more than I use my rower at home. That's yeah. 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 I love a rower. When, when there's a rower in a hotel gym, you're like, this is a serious gym. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times they're pretty rough shape, but yeah, it's always, I mean, cause I mean, what do you, if you have a rower and a dumbbell. Yeah. There's no excuse to miss a workout, you know, so. Um, um, Magnus, uh, go ahead and write whatever you were trying to say again, and I'll try to reread it again. I'll, I'll look for it because you deserve a, a better reading than that. But I think <laughs> I'm going to give you 50% uh, blame for that. Okay. Um, I hate to do this to you, Greg. What's that? This really sucks to do this to you. What the fuck is a damper? Oh man, you had to do it. <laughs> How come no one can fucking explain the damper? Why can't you just be like one I can, and ten is hard? Why can't I can yeah, I know. I know I I can explain it. It's easy to explain it now, whether or not somebody else can understand it. That's okay. that's okay. different. But okay. it's it's literally like and so and this is a go-to. I I use like a chimney flu type of uh reference, but then I realize that half the country doesn't know what a chimney flue is so basically so who cares i know what a chimney yeah Yeah. so basically when it's open all the way on a 10 it gobbles more air in the more air that gets sucked in the faster that weighted flywheel slows down between strokes okay Okay, that's that's the tricky way to say it the faster it slows down yeah meaning does that mean it's also harder to pull well that's the thing so depending on your stroke rate because if you take a, a higher stroke rate, there's also less time to slow down. So the damper really is personal preference. Like, how do you want it to feel? But you can end up with the same time. And that's literally, you know, if you're a bit, if you're Brian Shaw, you could put it on 10 and you could row and you have enough swing weight of your body going down the rail that that's, that's helping him. Okay. So he can, he can afford to have a high damper. It's gobbling a lot of air. He can pull it. Guys like you and me, we're going to be at our sweet spot at like a three or a four on a new machine, which actually correspondingly has a damper, a drag factor number, which would be like a 117. So really, it's just basically that damper has no wires that connect it to the flywheel 
on a rower. It literally is how fast it slows down between strokes because that's a weighted flywheel. So if you remember inertia from yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So it's a weighted flywheel that has a known weight. And if it slows down as it's slowing down and you go for your next stroke, it's going to take more energy to get that weighted flywheel spinning again. Yeah. Okay. But if you, if you have a stroke rate, that's pretty consistent, it's not really slowing down all that much. Right, right, right. So it's like, so remember when Lucas, what was Lucas's name, uh, last name that won the marathon row, Lucas Holder? No, um, no, uh, no. Um, Holm, uh, yeah, um, Ho Hogbart, Ho Ho yeah, he was from Switzerland, Hogberg. right? Yeah, Hogberg, I think. So he won that with the weirdest technique I'd ever seen. He was doing a series of two hours and 50 minutes of deadlifts with a rowing machine. He would pull it and he would stop at the end, and then he'd take another pull and he'd stop. And so he went the same distance and he got a good time. But he was doing it in a weird way where he could have made it a lot easier on himself if he just didn't let the flywheel. So let me ask you, if you're going to use, see, let me see if, uh, if, if this is, uh, um, if I understand this, if I can put it to application. If you're going to use that technique, you would want the damper on one. No, the opposite. You're going to want it on, on 10 because. In but the then it slows down faster on 10. It does, but like not but he's, slow down you, can, you and I could get two or three strokes in that same time it took him to do the one, and we would use less effort on it because we would have to pull as hard. Right. No, but I'm saying for for him, what do you okay? Let me ask you then. What do you what should he have had the damper on to do that? I mean, he's a big guy, so he could have gone a little bit higher. What I would have done for a marathon is um, you know, I'm about 190 pounds. Yeah. I would probably would have been on a new machine like that, probably like around a four or five. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would probably be at about 27 to 32 strokes a minute. What I think he was at was at a 10 and he was probably like 15 strokes a minute. So he still did great and he's strong enough to be able to do it. But like you and I couldn't do that. I mean, that's not the way he did it. You know, anyway, you actually under let me go, let me go back. So do you actually understand the damper or do you have to do you have to make it up in your head and it's abstract? No, I mean, I understand it. Um, okay. It's what I don't honestly Once think that I don't have the physics chops to understand it. And that's what it is. I can't convert what you're saying into yeah. practical understanding. Like I could make it up and like and like trick myself into thinking I know it. Yeah, but if you I, and I, I were together in the workout room, yeah, you'd, you'd get it. And I think a lot of people make it more confusing than it is. Yeah, um, especially for how they're using it. Yeah, um, on there. I mean, and it's the same thing too. Is like I'm not one of these nitpicky guys. Like I want people to have good technique, but if their technique's not perfect or they don't understand damper, but they're still getting a good workout and they're not going to injure themselves, then I typically are like what are your goals? If your goal is just to get fit and have at it. If, if you're a competitor and you want to finish the rowing workout with some extra energy for the next workout, then yeah, you got to look at efficiency, both on damper and technique. So it's really what the athlete is looking to do. Um, like I said, my technique I think is pretty good over the years, but I mean, it's not compared to my coworkers that rode at a very high level. I don't have the efficiency they do, you know, on there. So Who, who's the bike for? For me, I'm going to tell you my bias, like real, like I love, I love bike riding. I used to bike ride like, a, like a, since I've been a little kid, I've been bike riding. But when I exercise, if I had the skier and the assault bike next to each other, I, or, I would, or the echo bike, I would all, I would be like, why would I do the, why would I do the erg bike? Yeah. 
And and I and I agree. So, you know, we're all mountain bikers here, and 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 that sort of things. So we we always do we make machines for sports. We do the rowing machine came because Pete and Dick were Olympic rowers. Right. The skier came because their kids were Olympic biathletes and Nordic skiers. The bike came that about because that skier. I thought that was a joke. That thing translates to fucking cross country skiing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Matter of fact, that's what we made one a prototype ourselves for, for us that raced. And then Peter or Dick came down and saw it and, you know, he's an engineer and we just cobbled this thing together. And he's like, no, we can make that better. And then the skier one came out and their kids were both training for the Olympics. And, it, uh, in Nordic ski racing, they call it skate skiing. So it's yeah. not like the old Nordic track. It's different, but, um, they would get compartment syndrome in their shins. And so they needed something to keep their cardio up while they couldn't actually ski so they would sit on a box and they'd use the skier and they could use the same muscles of their upper body and keep their cardio going um so that's kind of how it came about uh, i know we were talking about the bike but let me take you back to the skier what what when who developed the first skier and why did they do it it wasn't even for sale it was just a no no in our room we made it for ourselves to use to get better at skiing so. no shit yeah, yeah. Matter someone of fact, flipped up. I think I remember that. I think I remember seeing some pictures. Someone just like flipped up one of the other, like the rower or something, right? I think I remember seeing some. Early yeah, it was really bad for the chain. So people would do it. They're like, oh, I'm just going to flip my rower and it's going to be a skier. And it's not like that. And it's actually not great for the rower. Um, but we we did it. So before there was a machine like that, we had a thing called a slide board. So you'd basically lay on a skateboard on this inclined piece of plywood and you'd have two ropes and you would pull yourself up kind of like the old chuck norris uh total gym okay yeah um but we wanted a monitor we wanted to see how many watts we were putting out we wanted to see all the stuff all the stuff the rower already could do so then we tried the turning the rower up against the wall that didn't quite work and then dick came by being the engineer and if you want anything made here you got to make it shitty and then the engineers come and get mad at you and they make it better oh yeah yeah there's like a trick to it manipulation Yeah. yeah yeah so we got the skier that way. And then because we're all mountain bikers and of course, you know, we're in Vermont, so it's like snow on the ground. Now we can't mountain bike. So we wanted something for the off season. Initially, everybody wanted us to make a bike with arms. And actually we had a prototype to do that. Um, Cause they wanted our monitor on that. Yeah. But we also knew that Bill and Katie had an idea of making the echo bike and we would never do anything to compete with those guys. And so we actually said we can make a really good, bike and we didn't like spin bikes if you, if you notice our bike is going to be more like biking outside it doesn't have that that flywheel that continuously spins so your feet go flying around yeah so you can actually stop pedaling and the flywheel still moves on our bike so we made a oh, bike that's that, cool that's yeah cool. that's it's made for like real biking and so that's a it's and that's the thing too so when, when i went to the founders, and people love it dude people fucking love it i'm i'm blown away at how many people like really i mean people love that bike well, yeah, and it's if you don't feel like working out, it's great because it's there's no it's low barrier to entry. You just sit on it and just pedal. And then, um, you know, like Erdesk made the Erdesk top for it, and now you see people on the bikes doing their work during the day and pedaling and and all that stuff. So the Erdesk was a uh, was a cool addition for people too. If they weren't actually going to work out, but they wanted to burn calories and move, then that was a nice addition. Uh, Sean Lenderman, the skier makes you more efficient. Uh, uh pivoting in the circle jerk oh yeah. i mean that's an that's just an added benefit we didn't actually design it into that so. by the byproduct <laughs> you have the, you have the penis they have the penis hand you can buy on, on what's it etsy 
That's the yeah. thing he just handles on Etsy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's... Um, the, the rower you cannot hide on. The bike, obviously, you can hide on. You can always, because you're sitting. Uh, I, I, the, in the skier, you can't hide on. The, the bike really is for kind of also, in, in my opinion, for like older people, like like if you're an older person like me or, or you're just a slow warm-up person or you have a bad back and you need to be drenched in sweat like I do before you start working out, the bike's for you. Although I've never hurt my back on the rower ever. And it's I, and so rare. It's almost yeah. a myth at this point. Yeah. I said rowing's yeah. bad for your back. Yeah. <clears throat> what I've found over the years is that even if you have horrible technique, mm-hmm. you don't, you're not a decent enough body position to generate enough force to do that if someone hurts their back rowing it's pretty existing yeah yeah and you kind of have to be an idiot like you the rowers if you're being spastic on the rower and the chain's doing anything besides being taught you have other problems yeah exactly and and well you remember the first year that we were in in aromas we saw weird people and this is we still see this a little bit but if you look at the games the progression of technique and rowing has gotten so much better than the aromas days i mean aromas days was pretty ugly yeah. and then people realize if you want to compete at crossfit at a high level one of the easiest things to do is improve your technique on the rower um but we had um oh who's the girl from nebraska uh way back then that was really good lizzie something anyways she was short and she heard that rowers tall oh, rowers uh, Joe Westerland's wife the, she's a cop now super hot chick she was pretty good looking. I mean, yeah, everyone was hot. Um, yeah, uh, uh, D- Yeah, that's it. Libby, yeah, Libby yeah, Dibiasi. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. she would row, and she was pulling to her chin and laying way back. And yeah. I know, I understood in her mindset, she's she was correct. She's thinking, oh, tall people do good on the rower. I'm going to make myself as tall as possible. Right. But that was a bad body position, which ended up hurting her in her strokes. You know, so. But yeah, we saw a lot of that back in the day. I think Miko was the Miko and Sam Briggs were the out of the gate, like better rowers although miko had this weird thing where he'd rest the handle on his legs and i swear to god next two weeks everyone was rowing like miko where they'd stop rest on the yeah, legs and then go yeah. forward again and influencer. um influencer well like the butterfly on the skier which is completely inefficient and and but uh rich butterflied i think in one oh, video oh this thing yeah no yeah. you do like this which my shoulders are so tight i can't even do that anyways but um that became a trend for a while and luckily that's gone away not all, not everybody. Some people do. I think, I think some people still do it. I just remember seeing it. So, I but it's mouthpieces rich is sold. How many what mouthpieces? I bet you he sold oh. fucking gazillions. I never talked to Rich about it, but remember he endorsed that little thing called a whipper. It was like this little box and it was, could be used to be a rower and a skier. And we will not talk about that. We will not talk about that. No. <laughs> it's I funny. Hope, I hope they paid him a lot of money for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame any of these guys because, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay the bills and stuff like that. But uh, I always respected him that he would, I'd, he'd, he'd pop up on my Facebook on the whipper and then I would go to his Instagram and he's training on the concept too. And, I was and, like, and Sam Dancer, um, uh, endorsed some product that like you, like he said, was equivalent to deadlifting or back squatting 500 pounds or something, some ropes coming out of a platform you stand on. I'm like, come on, come on. I mean, it's, but you know, we don't get our income the same way they do and they, they need to do it you know if you're going to be a, a yeah i beg people for the on the internet for it dollar <laughs> right. 99 at a time right yeah for, so. they pay me to ask read questions to you <laughs> well i appreciate it anyways and i Dear, still think we, we need to have our our old man uh yes, fitness bitch podcast uh uh mr uh greg hammond from tyler greg tyler greg to greg hammond uh ask about the concept to dino strength trainer what's that 
yeah, we had a strength machine for a while called it. Yeah. The dyno. Uh, and it was cool. It, it only did leg press a row and a bench press. Um, but you could get over a thousand pounds resistance just based on trapped air. And the whole machine only weighed about 120 pounds. What happened? Uh, that thing? Uh, functional fitness, uh, happened and, uh, oh, nobody oh, oh. wanted to use a linear machine. So, um, yeah, there you go. It's still a great machine. We used to have a lot of fun. So we used to do, it was called centuries and you would do a hundred reps on all three movements. And it used to give you your average poundage. So like no matter how many reps you did, it would give you the average of weight that you moved. And so we would have like king of the gym. And so whoever could get the highest average of the three movements was king of the gym in there. Oh, I like it. Yeah, it was, it was great. We used to take it to strength and conditioning shows. We sold a lot to the British military. They would deploy, they would deploy with it. Um, oddly enough, a lot of them ended up in Brazil. Not sure how that happened. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it was a great machine. Um, I should have scheduled you for three hours. Unfortunately, ah. I have to go. You're, you're awesome. Uh, I have to have you back. Maybe I should, um, are, are you going to Wadapalooza? I'm not going to be at Wadapalooza. No, I'm not sure next time I'll run into you. Um, you said, I'm not going there either, but I was just wondering if you were going to go oh. there. We can talk about it. I'm trying to find an excuse to talk to you. Hey, did, <clears throat> do you, do you go to, you don't go to every big event? You don't go to. We, we have with Wadapalooza when they used our equipment. Um, they're not oh, they using anymore. Oh, okay. No. So, so we're not going there. Or someone um, else sponsors them. Like someone else like Air Runners or Salt or someone sponsors them. So they use their stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it also is a tough time of year to go for me to go down there anyways, but like, um, but like also too, like right now, Kevin Ogar and the wheel wad guys, they're oh. using our equipment. I, I would have liked to have been there, but I'm not there. So we do send equipment to events that we don't go to, um, on there, but, um, yeah, probably the next time I see you, you know, might be, you know, maybe games. Yeah. I don't know. So. Hey, um, what about the, um, semifinals? I mean, I'm not going to them, but do you go to those? Yeah, I mean, if I if there's a need, if they're doing something with our equipment and they need us to be there, then I I typically try to go. You know, traveling for me, I used to do like one trip a month, which didn't see much. If somebody was to travel a lot, but like the older I get, the more I like the quietness of Vermont. Like when I come back from the games or like Rogue Invitational, it's so nice to come to Vermont where there's just like nobody here. You're like the roads are empty. You know, I can be on my back porch. I'm looking at the woods. You know, I know I'm getting, it's getting old. I'm starting to look at birds oh, now. Dude, I get it. Yeah. Birds, history books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so. Uh, final question, totally out of your um, world. So, yeah. um, or adjacent world. Why can't the echo, why hasn't the echo bike or the assault bike solve the problem for pedals? And have you guys solved that problem? on your bike like i had a, a tim murray on here he's like the uh, fittest dwarf in the world and it's yeah. like we're like my kids like like what the fuck how come people how come that can't someone can't crack the code on that shit so our pedals we did and they weren't always written now they're they're pretty they're they're good they don't really have an issue but when we started messing around with a bike with the arms can ride your bike or little uh, kid so Yes, they do. We have a shorter rear leg. So for like middle school kids or somebody who's short, we do have a, a, a shorter rear leg. That is one problem with a lot of our equipment and everything here is built for tall people because. Right, right, right. And, and I get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like yeah. hating on it, but there's okay. gotta be a market for kids and dwarf. Dwarfs are kind of funky. I didn't know this until he was on the show the other day. He got the torso of a man. Yeah. 
So his legs maybe are even shorter than like a kid's legs. But there's got to be something that, that you can – There's, I guess uh, like Jeff Birchfield said, I don't have the physics chops, so I guess I don't have the mechanical chops. But you would think that there's something that could – something you put on the handles of these bikes and then something you put on the pedals. Yeah, I mean I think our bikes are going to be better than, than say, a bike with arms for somebody right. that size. Right. And, and actually when we started messing around with building a bike with arms, they have a lot more um, torque issues than what we have on our bike because of the fact that they're going back and forth. So like, you know, that rattliness that all the bikes end up getting, I mean, yeah. not so much echo echoes built pretty tough. Yeah. Um, I but, know um, it sounds like something, the fans loose. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause it has more torque. Whereas on our bike, everything's going in one direction, you know, everything's, okay. um, but also too, it's like, I never liked on those bikes, how your arms assist your legs and your legs assist your arms, you know, with ours, you, you know, when your legs are done, you're, they're done, you know, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah I mean, that's like riding it for kind of fitness, I guess I ride it just to get warm. Right. That's why yeah. I have the arms, it's just, it's just a old man machine to me. Do, uh, do like all out, like, you know, thousand meters and box jumps and you'll, you'll fail every box jump. It's awesome. <laughs> Nothing but bloody shins for days. <laughs> uh, I appreciate your uh, 99 minutes today. I I appreciate it, man. I, I I could talk to you forever, too. I mean, there's fewer and fewer of us that have been around for the whole show. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, um, you know, and there's a lot to talk about, especially with, like, a lot of the changes going on in, in the CrossFit space. You know, and I feel like you and I can almost get away with talking from the outside. We still love it as much as ever, but the yeah. changes seem odd to me still compared to where it was, you know, what, 20 years ago now? It's like, it's crazy how long it's been. Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of perpetual big changes always happening now. We still haven't settled. Things haven't settled down in the last four years, five years, six years. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a weird six years, five years. It is. And I don't envy like the, 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 the decisions that Don has to make now, you know, oh, things like Don. that. Like, yeah, I agree. It's, there's no easy answer. And that's the thing is like, I'll never throw any shade on decisions being made because I don't have an answer either, but I know I want to see it grow. And I know that CrossFit's helped a lot of people live a much better life. Um, I plan on doing functional fitness until I can anymore, you know, and I, I do think it's the answer. It's the business side of it. That seems tough. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah. Let's do it again sometime. I'll bug you. Uh, great. To, to, it's the longest we've ever talked. I guess when I have people on the show, it's usually the longest I've ever talked to them. But, uh, but you you met my ex exceeded my expectations. <laughs> we'll do good. I don't hear that a lot. So thanks, Yvonne. That's yeah. nice that you said that. <laughs> All right, brother. Have a good day. Have a good day, man. Ciao. Bye. Greg Hammond, Concept 2. Dang, he's cool. Uh, no, politics time is today at 4 o'clock. I am going to uh, read as many as the DMs, hundreds of DMs I got from affiliates uh, in the last 48 hours. If you want to send any more, send them in. Uh, I will. It, it is uh, surprisingly, uh, I don't, maybe surprisingly, I shouldn't start like that. It is very is actually much more positive than, well, yeah, surprising than I expected. Uh, the um, and 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 that's with people's initial reaction. So I think things are only going to calm down more and more. But I will see you guys today at four o'clock. I've invited a bunch of people on, but it looks like they can't do it. Um, I really wanted to get JR and Grundler on, but it looks like I'm going to. Um, uh, it's going to be me and Sousa just reading uh, DMs to you guys. We'll open up the phone lines. Don't be scared to call in. Um, all right, guys. Um, you will read aloud any DM we send you? No, not not. No, let's not get carried away. All right. <laughs>
Bye-bye. Four o'clock today.